chapter ten of la bas by jory karl heismans translated by keen wallace this librivox recording is in the public domain the day was long and hard to kill waking at dawn full of thoughts of madame chantelouve he could not stay in one place and kept inventing excuses for going out he had no cakes bonbons and exotic liqueurs and one must not be without all the little essentials when expecting a visit from a woman he went by the longest route to the avenue de l'opera to buy fine essences of cedar and of that alkermes which makes the person tasting it think he is in an oriental pharmaceutic laboratory the idea is he said not so much to treat hyacinthe as to astound her by giving her a sip of an unknown elixir he came back laden with packages then went out again and in the street was assailed by an immense ennui after an interminable tour of the quays he finally tumbled into a beer hall he fell on a bench and opened a newspaper what was he thinking as he sat not reading but just looking at the police news nothing not even of her from having revolved the same matter over and over again and again his mind had reached a deadlock and refused to function durtal merely found himself very tired very drowsy as one in a warm bath after a night of travel i must go home pretty soon he said when he could collect himself a little for pere rateau certainly has not cleaned house in the thorough fashion which i commanded and of course i don't want the furniture to be covered with dust six o'clock suppose i dine after a fashion in some not too unreliable place he remembered a nearby restaurant where he had eaten before without a great deal of dread he chewed his way laboriously through an extremely dead fish then through a piece of meat flabby and cold then he found a very few lentils stiff with insecticide beneath a great deal of sauce finally he savoured some ancient prunes whose juice smelt of mould and was at the same time aquatic and sepulchral back in his apartment he lighted fires in his bedroom and in his study then he inspected everything he was not mistaken the concierge had upset the place with the same brutality the same haste as customarily however he must have tried to wash the windows because the glass was streaked with finger marks durtal effaced the imprints with a damp cloth smoothed out the folds in the carpet drew the curtains and put the bookcases in order after dusting them with a napkin everywhere he found grains of tobacco trodden cigarette ashes pencil sharpenings pen points eaten with rust he also found cocoons of cat fur and crumpled bits of rough draught manuscript which had been whirled into all corners by furious sweeping he finally could not help asking himself why he had so long tolerated the fuzzy filth which obscured and encrusted his household while he dusted his indignation against rateau increased mightily look at that he said perceiving his wax candles grown as yellow as tallow ones he changed them that's better he arranged his desk into studied disarray notebooks and books with paper cutters in them for bookmarks he laid in careful disorder symbol of work he said smiling as he placed an old folio open on a chair then he passed into his bedroom with a wet sponge he freshened up the marble of the dresser then he smoothed the bed cover straightened his photographs and engravings and went into the bathroom here he paused disheartened in a bamboo rack over the washbowl there was a chaos of files resolutely he grabbed the perfume bottles scoured the bottoms and necks with emery rubbed the labels with gum elastic and bread crumbs 
then he soaped the tub dipped the combs and brushes in an ammoniac solution got his vaporizer to working and sprayed the room with persian lilac washed the linoleum and scoured the seat and the pipes seized with a mania for cleanliness he polished scrubbed scraped moistened and dried with great sweeping strokes of the arm he was no longer vexed at the concierge he was even sorry the old villain had not left him more to do then he shaved touched up his moustache and proceeded to make an elaborate toilet asking himself as he dressed whether he had better wear button shoes or slippers he decided that shoes were less familiar and more dignified but resolved to wear a flowing tie and a blouse thinking that this artistic negligee would please a woman already he said after a last stroke of the brush he made the turn of the other rooms poked the fires and fed the cat which was running about in alarm sniffing all the cleaned objects and doubtless thinking that those he rubbed against every day without paying any attention to them had been replaced by new ones oh the little essentials i'm forgetting durtal put the tea-kettle on the hob and placed cups teapot sugar-bowl cakes bonbons and tiny liqueur glasses on an old lacquered waiter so as to have everything on hand when it was time to serve now i'm through i've given the place a thorough cleaning let her come he said to himself realigning some books whose backs stuck out further than the others on the shelves everything in good shape except the chimney of the lamp where it bulges there are caramel specks and blobs of soot but i can't get the thing out i don't want to burn my fingers and anyway with the shade lowered a bit she won't notice well how shall i proceed when she does come he asked himself sinking into an armchair she enters good i take her hands i kiss them then i bring her into this room i have her sit down beside the fire in this chair i station myself facing her on this stool advancing a little touching her knees i can seize her i make her bend over i am supporting her whole weight i bring her lips to mine and i am saved or rather lost for then the bother begins i can't bear to think of getting her into the bedroom undressing and going to bed that part is appalling unless you know each other very well and when you are just becoming acquainted the nice way is to have a cosy little supper for two the wine has an ungodly kick to it she immediately passes out and when she comes to she is lying in bed under a shower of kisses as we can't do it that way we shall have to avoid mutual embarrassment by making a show of passion if i speed up the tempo and pretend to be in a frenzy perhaps we shall not have time to think about the miserable details so i must possess her here in this very spot and she must think i have lost my head when she succumbs it's hard to arrange in this room because there isn't any divan the best way would be to throw her down on the carpet she could put her hands over her eyes as they always do i shall take good care to turn down the lamp before she rises well i had better prepare a cushion for her head he found one and slid it under the chair and i had better not wear suspenders for they often cause ridiculous delays he took them off and put on a belt but then there is that damned question of the skirts i admire the novelists who can get a virgin unharnessed from her corsets and deflowered in the winking of an eye as if it were possible how annoying to have to fight one's way through all those starched entanglements i do hope madame chanteloube will be considerate and avoid those ridiculous difficulties as much as possible for her own sake he consulted his watch half-past eight 
i mustn't expect her for nearly an hour because like all women she will come late what kind of an excuse will she make to chanteloup to get away to-night well that is none of my business hmm. this water heater beside the fire looks like the invitation to the toilet but no the tea-things handy banish any gross idea and if hyacinthe did not come she will come he said to himself suddenly moved what motive would she have for staying away she knows that she cannot inflame me more than i am inflamed then jumping from phase to phase of the same old question this will turn out badly of course he decided once i am satisfied disenchantment is inevitable oh well so much the better for with this romance going on i cannot work miserable me relapsing only in mind alas to the age of twenty i am waiting for a woman i who have scorned the doings of lovers for years and years i look at my watch every five minutes and i listen in spite of myself thinking it is her step i hear on the stair no there is no getting around it the little blue flower the perennial of the soul is difficult to extirpate and it keeps growing up again it does not show itself for twenty years and then all of a sudden you know not why nor how it sprouts and then forth comes a burst of blossoms my god i am getting foolish he jumped from his chair there was a gentle ring not nine o'clock yet it isn't she he murmured opening the door he squeezed her hands and thanked her for being so punctual she said she was not feeling well i came only because i didn't want to keep you waiting in vain his heart sank i have a fearful headache she said passing her gloved hands over her forehead he took her furs and motioned her to the armchair prepared to follow his plan of attack he sat down on the stool but she refused the armchair and took a seat beside the table rising he bent over her and caught hold of her fingers your hand is burning she said yes a bit of a fever because i get so little sleep if you knew how much i have thought about you now i have you here all to myself and he spoke of that persistent odour of cinnamon faint distant expiring amid the less definite odours which her gloves exhaled well and he sniffed her fingers you will leave some of yourself here when you go away she rose sighing i see you have a cat what is his name mouche she called to the cat which fled precipitately mouche mouche durtal called but mouche took refuge under the bed and refused to come out you see he is rather bashful he has never seen a woman oh would you try to make me think you have never received a woman here he swore that he never had that she was the first and you were not really anxious that this first should come he blushed why do you say that she made a vague gesture i want to tease you she said sitting down in the armchair to tell you the truth i do not know why i like to ask you such presumptuous questions he had sat down in front of her so now at last the scene was set as he wished and he must begin the attack his knee touched hers you know he said that you cannot presume here you have claims on no i haven't and i want none why because listen and her voice became grave and firm the more i reflect 
the more inclined i am to ask you for heaven's sake not to destroy our dream and then do you want me to be frank so frank that i shall doubtless seem a monster of selfishness well personally i do not wish to spoil the the what shall i say the extreme happiness our relation gives me i know i explain badly and confusedly but this is the way it is i possess you when and how i please just as for a long time i have possessed byron baudelaire gerard de nerval those i love you mean that i have only to desire them to desire you before i go to sleep and and you would be inferior to my chimera to the durtal i adore whose caresses make my nights delirious he looked at her in stupefaction she had that dolent troubled look in her eyes she even seemed not to see him but to be looking into space he hesitated in a sudden flash of thought he saw the scenes of incubacy of which gévingy had spoken we shall untangle all this later he thought within himself meanwhile he took her gently by the arms drew her to him and abruptly kissed her mouth she rebounded as if she had had an electric shock she struggled to rise he strained her to him and embraced her furiously then with a strange gurgling cry she threw her head back and caught his leg between both of hers he emitted a howl of rage for he felt her haunches move he understood now or thought he understood she wanted a miserly pleasure a sort of solitary vice he pushed her away she remained there quite pale choking her eyes closed her hands outstretched like those of a frightened child then durtal's wrath vanished with a little cry he came up to her and caught her again but she struggled crying no i beseech you let me go he held her crushed against his body and attempted to make her yield i implore you let me go her accent was so despairing that he relinquished her then he debated with himself whether to throw her brutally on the floor and violate her but her bewildered eyes frightened him she was panting and her arms hung limp at her sides as she leaned very pale against the bookcase ah he said marching up and down knocking into the furniture i must really love you if in spite of your supplications and refusals she joined her hands to keep him away good god he said exasperated what are you made of she came to herself and offended she said to him monsieur i too suffer spare me and pell-mell she spoke of her husband of her confessor and became so incoherent that durtal was frightened she was silent then in a singing voice she said tell me you will come to my house tomorrow night won't you but i suffer too she seemed not to hear him in her smoky eyes far far back there seemed to be a twinkle of feeble light she murmured in the cadence of a canticle tell me dear you will come tomorrow night won't you yes he said at last then she readjusted herself and without saying a word quitted the room in silence he accompanied her to the entrance she opened the door turned around took his hand and very lightly brushed it with her lips he stood there stupidly not knowing what to make of her behavior what does she mean he exclaimed returning to the room putting the furniture back in place and smoothing the disordered carpet heavens i wish i could as easily restore order to my brain let me think if i can what is she after 
because of course she has something in view she does not want our relation to culminate in the act itself does she really fear disillusion as she claims is she really thinking how grotesque the amorous somersaults are or is she as i believe a melancholy and terrible player around the edges thinking only of herself well her obscene selfishness is one of those complicated sins that have to be shriven by the very highest confessor she's a plain teaser i don't know incubacy enters into this she admits so placidly that in dream she cohabits at will with dead or living beings is she satanizing and is this some of the work of canon docre he's a friend of hers so many riddles impossible to solve what is the meaning of this unexpected invitation for tomorrow night does she wish to yield nowhere except in her own home does she feel more at ease there or does she think the propinquity of her husband will render the sin more piquant does she loathe chanteloup and is this a meditated vengeance or does she count on the fear of danger to spur our senses after all i think it is probably a final coquetry an appetizer before the repast and women are so funny anyway she probably thinks these delays and subterfuges are necessary to differentiate her from a cocotte or perhaps there is a physical necessity for stalling me off another day he sought other reasons but could find none deep down in my heart he said vexed in spite of himself by this rebuff i know i have been an imbecile i ought to have acted the caveman and paid no attention to her supplications and lies i ought to have taken violent possession of her lips and breast then it would be finished whereas now i must begin at the beginning again and god damn her i have other things to do who knows whether she isn't laughing at me this very moment perhaps she wanted me to be more violent and bold but no her soul-sick voice was not feigned her poor eyes did not simulate bewilderment and then what would she have meant by that respectful kiss for there was an impalpable shade of respect and gratitude in that kiss which she planted on my hand she was too much for him meanwhile in this hurly-burly i have forgotten my refreshments suppose i take off my shoes now that i am alone for my feet are swollen from parading up and down the room suppose i do better yet and go to bed for i am incapable of working or reading and he drew back the covers decidedly nothing happens the way one foresees it yet my plan of attack wasn't badly thought out he said crawling in with a sigh he blew out the lamp and the cat reassured passed over him lighter than a breath and curled up without a sound End of chapter 10